Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast. I'm Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature and host of this podcast, and I'm the author of the book Leading Through Uncertainty. In this series, I'll be delving into each of the chapters of the book and exploring what's the context of uncertainty, what are some of the challenges we face, and what are the habits and leadership behaviours that we need to adopt in order to navigate uncertainty more easily. This week I'm reading Chapter 5, Fear and Polarisation, and as usual it starts with a story, and this time it's a client's story, and I've called the client Simon, but that's not his real name. And in fact, this is a story that has happened on more than one occasion. I don't see the point of this, and I don't want to be here, Simon said as he walked through the gate and brushed past me in the office doorway. He was the last person to arrive. Everyone looked a little uncomfortable and shifted in their seats. That's okay, I replied without judgment and pointed him in the direction of the tea and coffee. Everyone breathed a sigh of relief as I let the moment pass. We could not have been further apart in our views of working with horses. I've watched clients work with horses and gain major aha moments that transform everything in their life and work. I've seen how the horses help clients turn a loss-making business into a profit. Simon had not. He had no reference point. He was out of his comfort zone on the verge of overwhelm. The truth is, he was scared and his overconfident resistance was his way of staying safe. It was pointless trying to persuade him with words. Anything I said in that moment to try to convince him to the value of working with the horses would only increase the divide. The horses win people round quickly, so I held Simon gently in his resistance, accepting that his perspective was true for him in that moment. When his time came to work with the horses, he opted to work with Callie, as people who are terrified often do. While many are intimidated by her self-assuredness and self-confidence, the ones who are overwhelmed often choose to work with her, as if they sense that she also has the capacity to be extremely gentle with anyone who is scared. Simon took the lead rope from me and stroked Callie on the neck. He took one step forward, invited her to walk with him, and off they went. Callie didn't challenge him any more than I had. She recognised that he needed to be put at ease, to be supported out of his comfort zone and held gently. He came back with a big smile on his face. Simon was achieving success as he perceived it by getting the horse to go with him. He was starting to move from his original position of fear and polarisation to meeting me and the horses in a place of curiosity and quiet, confident leadership. Resistance. The cause of all resistance is fear and it's prevalent in organisations and society. Uncertainty creates fear Fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of being vulnerable, fear for your safety. Fear makes you say and do things you would not normally say and do. It shows up as opposition, confrontation or unwillingness. It's your body and mind's way of keeping you safe and preventing failure. Fear has a major role to play in your survival. With the ever-increasing uncertainty of life and work, fear is a prevalent emotion in our society today. Somehow, we need to find a way to recognise it and navigate it. The uncertainty of our time is here to stay and we need to continually develop our skills to cope. Uncertainty requires a new approach. When you loosen your attachment on a specific outcome or view of success, fear reduces and then you find your flow of leadership. 
When resistance shows up, either in you or in others, be curious about what's behind it. What are you afraid might happen? What are you wanting to avoid? Let go of blame and judgment and allow the resistance to be part of the process of people making sense of their fear or discomfort. Simon's fear drove his behaviour. At his core, he's not a rude person, yet his behaviour may have appeared as such to some people because he was so far out of his comfort zone and almost at a place of overwhelm. He didn't see the point of what he was there to do and resisted it as much as he possibly could. And in that moment, I had two choices. To meet him head on and try to persuade him or to give him space to work it out for himself. And I chose the latter. In moments of resistance and polarisation, there's a tendency to resort to force to get people to come with you instead of allowing them free will to work it out. Resistance needs space for understanding and reflection. This is born out of attachment to specific outcomes and breaks down relationships. Simon later later admitted to being resistant at work in times of change or uncertainty. He was uneasy being out of his comfort zone and his resistance was a natural response to keeping him safe in the status quo. Once he'd had time to work things out, he was active and a willing participant and team member. When you lead a team, using rank and authority to make people come with you works to a point, but it's not leadership. It's coercion, force, command and control. Call it what you will, but it serves only to deepen the divide, erode trust and break down relationships. The end result is that people either feel coerced and give in, not through free will, but through a need for harmony and resolution, or they fight and become forceful in return. And this results in stalemate and deadlock. Whenever we meet resistance, the tendency is to blame the other party, to judge them as stubborn or difficult rather than seeking to understand. Often clients will call call the horse stubborn if the horse doesn't come willingly. I explain that they've not yet met the conditions that, that allow the horse to feel compelled to come with them willingly and the horses won't come through force or rank. Resistance is feedback that someone's needs are not being met but often we don't see that in the heat of the moment. Frustration during polarisation builds to a crescendo, escalating the coercion and corresponding resistance. The more you try to drag a horse, the more it digs its heels in. The same is true of people. I often say jokingly to my clients, my money is on the horse if you get into a tug of war. They're 600 kilos. Horses are physically stronger than us, so they demonstrate how force doesn't work and they invite people to find a different way of leading that is more relational, based on curiosity, collaboration and understanding. When a horse refuses to come with you, the only option is to recalibrate and find another way. Clients discover greater flexibility and adaptability, as well as increased self-awareness, all of which are enormously useful in the workplace. With the pressure to deliver results in short timescales, stress behaviours are prevalent, especially in moments of uncertainty. People often resort to coercion to get the job done when they're under pressure. Contrary to what you're trying to achieve by pushing for results, making specific demands leads to disengagement and further resistance and slows results down even more. The resistance to change is a reflection of the desire for certainty and the status quo. There is a balance between not treating people as victims of their circumstances 
and recognising that not everyone can embrace uncertainty and change at the same pace as you. I explain in my first book, Leadership Beyond Measure, why resistance shows up. In, in there I say, if you're getting resistance, people are effectively trying to say, it's too big a challenge for me and I'm scared. Those people need help to navigate change and still feel safe. Ultimately, resistance needs to be met with more space for curiosity and reflection. When you allow time for increased observation and understanding, relationships go stronger and minimise the divide. And that's challenging when you're under pressure to meet tight deadlines. Everyone will work at different paces and giving people space to work at their own pace is actually critical to minimise the resistance and reduce the polarisation. Easier said than done though, isn't it? What are you resisting and what impact is that having? Where do you need to give people in your team more space to work things out? The desire for certainty. The resistance to change is often born out of the desire to hang on to what is known, understood and controllable. But control is fundamentally different from leadership. Certainty is more comfortable than uncertainty and therefore people naturally seek it as a way of staying safe. The desire for certainty is often expressed in the pursuit of wanting to be in control as if that were the panacea of creating success. People are comfortable with what they know because they have the experience to handle it and think they can't fail. In fact, certainty stifles creativity and innovation and prevents you from exploring alternative ways of doing things. Where are you striving to be in control to avoid the discomfort of uncertainty? Being in control doesn't allow for diverse opinions, dialogue and collaboration and the desire for control further amplifies fear. Leaders who are comfortable with uncertainty are less likely to be afraid of the unknown. We can and must upskill leaders to have the self-confidence to lead through uncertainty and the willingness to step into the unknown. Many organisations have a fear culture born out of the desire for certainty. The incessant striving to achieve results under pressure has led to people being terrified of making mistakes for fear of the repercussions. Jobs are no longer for life and there's less certainty about your position. Even highly skilled employees can find themselves caught up in a redundancy situation as companies consolidate and reorganise to reduce costs. The continuous fear of failure can be exhausting and drains your energy. Where is fear impacting the behaviour of you or your team? In periods of uncertainty, there's often a lack of information or knowledge and therefore there are multiple views about what is true or deemed to be true. Facts become sketchy in uncertainty and people try to package bad news as good news. Many organisations presented the end of the final salary pension as a way of helping people keep their jobs for longer. While there is an element of truth in this, It ultimately lacks honesty and integrity and implies that people are wrong for feeling angry or hard done by for losing their pension. Fear and resistance can be exhausting. Change is often thrust upon us and in those moments of uncertainty, the way forward may be unclear. When we trust that we can navigate whatever might be thrown our way, we can relinquish the hold that fear has on us and lead more powerfully in any given moment. 
A management consultant from Newcastle in England explained, With the demise of manufacturing and shipbuilding in the northeast of England, I wasn't able to follow the same career path that my family had followed for decades. My future in work was uncertain, and that was terrifying and dispiriting. In hindsight, I realised it gave me the freedom to choose my own career elsewhere. At the time, it didn't feel as though I was being freed up. It felt as though I was being pushed through adversity, and it was extremely uncomfortable. Fear of the unknown and anxiety about the future are normal responses to the uncertainty that people face through major change. Opportunities can be created out of adversity, but at the time people often feel anxious about the uncertainty of their future because the path to success and safety is unclear. Adversity is an opportunity to create a new future based on new insights and information. As we lead through uncertainty, organisations need to shift the culture from one of perfection and control to one of exploration and co-creation. If we don't let go of the need to control, we become polarised in our views with others, as everyone has a different point of view on how to move forward. Polarisation. Polarisation occurs in situations where there is no obvious answer and where there are high levels of fear. The Leave and Remain campaigns for Brexit in the UK in June 2016 were both driven by fear and led to a period of high anxiety and polarisation that had ripples on a global scale. UK citizens were severely divided before, during and after the Brexit decision, with information being driven by emotional outbursts on both sides and a lack of understanding of the facts that were at the centre of the debate. In moments of polarisation, facts often disappear and debates become emotional. Information becomes twisted and people use manipulation to try to get agreement. The media often exacerbate polarised views through blame, criticism and judgement, which creates further tension and increases fear. Even established and well-respected programmes such as Newsnight on the BBC showcase polarisation and heated debate in which nobody is truly heard. In the absence of a balanced view and in a desire to make their point be accepted as the only truth, participants debate debate vociferously without listening to each other. True listening requires our view to be open to be changed by the perceptions of others by seeking new information. Where are you polarised with someone and what are you not hearing about their point of view? Without dialogue... Polarised views create further divide and deepen the fear. While this is is obvious in world issues, it's also played out in organisations where departments and teams go head to head, wanting their opinions to be understood and adhered to without seeking to understand the challenges of the other. In such situations, there is no sense of a shared goal, but a polarised sense of us and them. The desire for certainty causes rifts that are difficult to resolve without a new way of leading. Black and white, yes and no, left and right answers are rarely possible or even desirable, especially in uncertainty. When people go head to head, excessive amounts of time and energy are wasted and relationships break down further. Embracing Differences Voicing diverse opinions often creates polarisation if it's done in an unskilled way. 
The attachment to being right causes people to force their own opinion on others, even through coercion or even worse, through manipulative and subversive means. Diverse teams are more innovative and creative as different opinions are considered. However, the desire to be heard and understood makes it difficult to operate with differences of opinion. Differences in religion, race, gender, sexuality, age and much more can lead to polarisation if people are not skilled in engaging in dialogue. We all have unconscious biases and we need to create space to allow those differences to be expressed and understood without negating them as right or wrong based on our own bias. Curiosity is crucial in seeking to understand. A fast-paced, high-pressure working environment is not conducive to creating space to allow this to occur, which is why polarised views often remain. When people take time to carefully consider important issues from a variety of angles, they can identify and adopt the best scenario. The continuous pressure that people feel under is not conducive to reflection and collaborative debate, but is needed to reduce the fear and polarisation. Aligned teams always get better results. Many organisations are complex, with a matrix management system that has conflict, conflicting goals and objectives. While the overall company vision may be clear, the execution of that vision on an individual and team basis is often less clear. Multiple competing targets cause conflict on both an individual-to-individual basis and between departments and teams. Tension around goals is often ignored and glossed over, and this can derail and delay achieving results. Attachment to specific outcomes prevents a willingness to consider alternative points of view. Alignment occurs through human connection, which can heal divides and relieve tension. But people tend to disconnect in times of disagreement. We need to give people the skills to work through differences and stay connected when the situation is uncomfortable. Where is tension occurring for you and what outcome are you attached to? What happens when you release your attachment and become more open and curious? Um, This is a case study and I'm I'm going to call the the client John. Um, And again, the name has been changed to protect confidentiality. And and once again, this is an example uh, of an experience that has been um, had by more than one client. John stood in the arena with the horse Tiffin, who was running loose. John asked Tiffin to move away from him. Tiffin, a 16-hand three high racehorse, took off around the arena with explosive energy, bucking and rearing. John had no idea that Tiffin was responding to him and he had no idea that his own energy was so strong. He had freaked Tiffin out with his mere presence and driven Tiffin instantly to a place of fear. I asked John to drop his energy and help Tiffin calm down. John dropped his energy, breathed deeply and Tiffin came to a stop. For the next few minutes, Tiffin alternated between the extremes of being explosive and not moving, depending on John's energy. Finally, John stabilised his energy and found a place of of flow without fear. Tiffin moved calmly around the arena, matching John step for step. They had found a place of connection and harmony. 
Afterwards, John explained, I thought people knew that I cared about them. His team said that they did, but that they also experienced his leadership as on or off and that they were often afraid to speak their truth. John was horrified. Why didn't you tell me? I was afraid you would not listen, came the reply. And I know when when you hear that that case study that, you know, some of you may feel quite shocked about that. But actually, we all have the ability to listen and we all have the ability not to listen. So it's a great place to, to explore for yourself. When the pressure is on to deliver, human connection is one of the first things to suffer. Organisations spend huge amounts of time and money measuring the achievement of financial and numerical targets and less time understanding the cost of disconnected individuals and teams and misaligned targets. The pursuit of targets influences where leaders put their attention and drives leadership behaviour to focus on results rather than on relationships and connection. High-performing teams recognise the importance of embracing differences and not taking things personally. They allow constructive debate and know that connection and relationships are crucial to their success. But all teams have their limits with that. Clarity is essential when setting targets to understand the expectations of people with differing needs. We often use the same words to mean different things and this is magnified further when working across cultures in different languages. Embracing differences requires acceptance of self and others even when opinions are different. Check that you're receptive to connection with others with differing views, opinions and belief. It is possible to connect through differences of opinion when respect and trust are at the heart of the connection and when people create an environment of openness, flexibility and curiosity. And yet, whenever there are differences, there is a much greater um, opportunity to disconnect than there is to connect. The wisdom of fear. We must not stay stuck in the loop of fear and polarisation. We no longer live in tribal villages where everyone knows their neighbour and has, has shared experience, values and belief systems. We work in a global economy where things are shifting, technology is influencing the way we work and we work with people with different values and belief systems. This diversity enables us to learn from each other by exploring new ideas and ways of working. We can shape the future of work as well as society when we work collaboratively. But that's so much easier said than done. Fear has its place. It can be useful as a source of information to identify the things you need to take care of, to identify potential risks and find ways to mitigate them. But we rarely consider the wisdom of fear. Fear is an innate emotional response to a situation that puts our safety at risk. Instead of squashing the emotion, fear can inform us and cause us to pay attention to something that we might not otherwise otherwise expect. When we pay attention to fear as a source of information, we can manage its impact. We need space to process how we feel about things though. Emotional intelligence is crucial to reducing polarisation in the workplace and it starts by understanding your own fear and making sense of it in some way. What is inherent? What is the inherent need that you have that fear or resistance are pointing to? When your team are resistant or fearful, there is a tendency to drag them along. The focus on the end goal prevents people having time and space to reflect and process. 
When people understand what change means for them, they can make sense of it and choose a response that meets their needs. Fear and polarisation are part of the human experience and an emotional response to protect ourselves and meet our needs. They inform us that there are fundamental differences of opinion and fear and polarisation are rife in uncertainty. They are part of the process. When we shift from a culture of fear and polarisation to one of hope, opportunity and exploration, we allow all the voices to be heard and expressed through dialogue. We can't shift from it fully. Fear and polarisation are a flag to remind you to pay attention to what needs to happen next in service of the bigger picture. That includes your needs as well as the needs of others. Fear is not going to go away. I'm sorry, but it isn't. It's a fundamental part of leading through uncertainty, of stretching out of the comfort zone and pushing the boundaries of what's possible. We can, however, manage the incessant pressure more effectively and this requires a new set of leadership skills and behaviours that I'll explore in more detail in part three of this book. So that concludes uh, chapter um, the chapter on fear and polarisation and I think it's really important to, to think about where where do you get scared and what's the information behind the fear? What is what is your need that is not being met? What is it that you're resisting? Um, when we dismiss things and we make them wrong or we say they're stupid, again, that is that resistance is just indicating fear. Um, a fear of a desire for safety, a desire for control. There's an unmet need behind it. So it's a great place to start looking. Um, so I invite you to you know, share with with me and, and with others, where is fear impacting you in your life and work? What's the information behind it? Um, and, and when you let go of being attached to a specific outcome, what's available to you then? That's it this week. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and you'd like to read the full chapter, you can download a copy of it from my website at judejennison.com forward slash podcasts. Or if you'd like to hear real live stories of leaders who've led through uncertainty and how they've overcome their challenges, check out season one of this podcast, episodes one to 35, where I interview leaders from a variety of organisations on their experiences. There are some truly inspirational stories from leaders there. I'm Jude Jennison host of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature. Keep leading and I'll come back soon with the next chapter of my book, Leading Through Uncertainty.